Hello guys and welcome to Control Alt Retweet, just a new podcast where a group of mates get together to talk about all things marketing, both good and bad. There are three of us here and we make up the marketing team at a financial services company in Derbyshire. Uh, I'm Matt and I'm the head of marketing. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Ryan, the graphic designer. And I'm Angus, digital marketing exec. Today we're going to be talking about marketing during a pandemic, especially in financial services. Um, I'm going to start, I think, with financial services, there's a general thing about financial services marketing being boring, for one, and full of robots, uh, corporate-wise. Um, obviously with a pandemic, it's a very human thing. And I think the, the biggest challenge for us working in financial services was showing that we do genuinely care but um, i mean correct me if i'm wrong but we still need to obviously we still need to make money during the pandemic that's 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 a given but there were businesses out there that weren't making money Mm -hmm. and we had to try and help them knowing that we were going to make money off that but still appear as human as possible yeah i think that's the thing like there's that very negative approach with finance as it is anyway and i don't it's that public perception of the finance company being the vultures Mm. in this scenario where the pandemic has hit businesses really hard to the point where the finance companies are almost thriving off it. And if the public believe that, it's almost a negative starting point anyway, really. Yeah, I mean, the whole vulture culture of financial services is there before the pandemic. It was always there. It's always been there from mortgages to asset finance to cars to whatever it is, any financial services, banks, there's always that vulture culture, wrongly, of course, but with the added emotion associated with this pandemic, people have, people have died through this pandemic and we're there trying to genuinely help businesses, but at the same time, we're making money off that. And it's that, it's almost a, it's a cultural shift in that, oh, we're here, we're generally trying to help. And that's why, from a marketing strategy perspective, I think, key thing for businesses during this especially financial services was to appear and show not just appear show they were genuinely as human as possible so the strategies that we went with so putting out help on social media um, even though we weren't going to make anything from it so pointing people in the right direction whether it's for bounce back loans or help where the where the banks were concerned I think that did a lot for us as a as a, as a business mm-hmm and I think the usage of social media, because obviously people were working from home, they weren't in the offices, so the likes of emails and things, they weren't really being answered, but people weren't really, bo- that, when the pandemic first hit in February 2020, people weren't really bothered about that side of things, or they wanted to, they just wanted to know that people were around them, so flocked to social media, um, not looking for answers, but just looking for people to be together, and there were numerous businesses out there that tried to not capitalize on that, but use that. So jumping on social media, just putting kind of supporting messages out there, COVID statements. Um, but I think some businesses did it really well. Some people, some businesses didn't do it very well. Mm-hmm. Those that didn't do it very well were there basically saying, we're here, but we're only here from a monetary perspective. Whereas I think that's the thing, especially when you like in terms of my where I'm creating visual adverts and stuff it's how can you make that appealing and with finance mm. being the stigma it is at the minute mm. with the pandemic how the only way you can make it appealing is through being sincere 
and informative on how businesses can not benefit from the pandemic, but how they can definitely survive and make their way yeah. through it, whether it be through different government schemes that have been announced through mm. the budgets or anything like that. It's, you can't be yeah. salesy throughout it whatsoever. You just need to be, how, how can you benefit off this product? Or how can you use this yeah. thing that's in place to get a little bit further, a little bit closer to normality? and surviving off the back of it yeah i mean i think coming as will hopefully come out back end of this pandemic i think it's changed it's changed a lot of things obviously but i think from a marketing perspective it's changed how a lot of businesses approach their strategies a lot of people a lot of businesses are seeing that it's not all about sales a lot of it's about relationships and especially obviously being in the business that we're in we're seeing seeing the brunt of that we're Gone are the days where we're putting campaigns out that saying we offer this product, come and buy this product. We're yeah. we're just showing the human again the human side of the business, and it's a very with the pandemic, it's been a very emotional time, and it's very hard to market emotionally without appearing to be not condescending but insincere, because it you can look like a vulture. So in the in the COVID statement that we put out, we kind of ensured that we purely focused on being there for businesses. We wanted to show that we're not here to make money, we're not here to thrive on your de on a business's demise, we're here to help in any way we can. And I think we've carried that on through the pandemic. And I think as the pandemic disappears, I think that's something that we're gonna carry on. So the more things that come out post pandemic, there'll be different things that come out, different schemes um, that I think businesses, not just financial services, businesses in general, I'm seeing more businesses on social media mention other businesses saying oh these guys are offering this go and go for that it's kind of a more cohabiting kind of relationship between businesses that were previously against each other how important would you say case studies are in that you know you mentioned other businesses how imp is it it's almost like the chicken and the egg you can't really mention any case studies with businesses until you've been in that position where you've helped them yeah yeah so how important would you say case studies are for social posts like this where, for example, we've helped this business do this to encourage other people to see that, relate to it, and then it's almost piggyback off it? I think it's all about resonation. Yeah. I think, if, well, from a personal perspective, if I'm looking at thinking, I don't know, if I'm thinking about going abroad, for example, and I'm not sure where I want to go, and I'm thinking about a certain place, I'll go online and I'll say, right, has anyone else reviewed this? Has anyone else been there? And um, if I see someone say, oh, yeah, it's great, they do this, this, and this, and I'm like, okay, I feel better now. Same thing for us. If, I, if, someone, if a business is on social media, as they are now, if they see that we've helped a business in a similar situation to them and they've come out the other end, and they, it kind of gives them that feeling that, okay, if they can help them, then they can help me. And I think before, I do think before the pandemic, case studies, case studies were, have always been around, but I just think they've kind of fallen flat. They're just kind of, People, businesses do it just because oh, it's just what businesses do during marketing. Yeah, it's, it doesn't really add anything. Whereas now we have a, an actual thing, an actual event that has happened that we've helped businesses through that we can now say, look, we've done this for you during this time. We can do the same for you. And that's where that fine line of sales and emotion comes in. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you think. 
think um, obviously obviously you touched on uh, social media there, but I think as well something else that we've done well was it was emails as well because um, putting that personalised touch on emails, uh, sort of within the first line, you'd say how are things at insert yeah, business yeah. here and. I think it goes down a lot better than just a salesy email. I think having that personal touch to people within such a hard time, a lot of people w weren't doing that. They were just sort of shoving products down someone's throat because they're inside yeah. or working from home. Whereas we're the ones um, sort of just having that personal touch. And it wasn't a gimmick either. It's, it's we actually care about our customers. And yeah, and I, th I think that's, again, that's the fine line because you do get, there's almost three, three pronged attack here where you get the businesses that do genuinely care you get the businesses that don't really care and are there just to make money but then you get the third business which in my eyes probably the worst ones which are they pretend they care just to make yeah. money yeah. and and i think they're the worst ones um i can't think of any examples off the top of my head but there were plenty out there during the pandemic that would uh whether it be i don't know a toilet roll manufacturer or something like that who they're they're a toilet roll manufacturer they don't they don't care about their customers, but that's not that's not an issue. They're a toilet roll manufacturer, they know what they do, but then all of a sudden they're now caring about their customers to make more sales, when in reality, it's kind of see-through to people that to, don't know what they're looking for. Um, and again, the financial services stigma, that stigma's never going away. Um, I think it's very much a generational thing as well. I think, gone, it's... Yeah, I think with that stigma though as well, could you, argue as well that with the pandemic we're, we're prior to the pandemic finance was seen as that typical thing where only struggling businesses need to take it whereas the pandemic's almost shattered that whole that's, ideology. yeah that's a very very good point it's a very good point it's not just the struggling businesses anymore it's the the people arguably the the wrong way to take it is the, the people that are doing well off it mm. and are still taking out those government products that were aimed for the struggling businesses just to get that one step further ahead so now it's become almost a norm to take out finance. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's a very good point, to be fair. And that's, that's across businesses and personal, I think. Yeah, I yeah. Think it's just, you are right, it's just completely destroyed that whole stigma for, for, a, good, for a good reason. Um, and I think it's, it's similar, in the same way that people now, just sidetracking here, but same way that people now think Zoom or Teams is just the norm. I think financial services is that area as well where five years ago, if you suggested finance to a business, there are some that would have just, I, I don't do finance. Same reason, same way there were people that didn't do finance. Whereas now I think it, they'd be more open to that because it's kind of opened their eyes up what could potentially happen if, let's, God forbid, if, a, if another pandemic happened. Okay, where where are, where is all my money in my business? Is it in the actual business or is it tied up elsewhere? Am I gonna have to sell everything? It just opens up the entire business itself when it comes to finances. And I think, not that the pandemic's helped that, but I think it's opened that up to everyone else that was kind of not naive to finance, but almost shut off, shut off from finance from preconceived stigmas or whatever it is. Um, but again, coming back to my other, but like the generation thing, obviously I'm a little bit older than you guys. Um, but I still think, I still categorise us together in the same age group, whereas I think kind of the probably 50 plus, um, if they're owning businesses, I think they're very much of the old school way of thinking. Um, and no disrespect to 50 plus year olds, there are a few out there, but 
um, it's the younger the younger business owners that are coming through now that are growing up with the use of technology with the use of kind of almost like the open ear um, prospect of things like they're open to more things so if you're a if imagine being a, a 30 year old business owner it's just in a technology startup in the middle of a pandemic you're going to use as many tools as you can you're not going to rely on things that your dad told you or things that have been passed down you're going to use there are new there's new technologies there's new tools there's comparison tools there's online chat they'll use as many things as possible and i think that relates back to being open with marketing and being the young ones will be on social media so they'll look and it all ties into one circle where those younger business owners will look for the human touch on social on platforms that they wouldn't previously looked at if it was a older business to business owner um i do think the the pandemic's kind of exacerbated that fact yeah definitely it's it's almost sped up people's at least perception of technology by years like the 50 plus year olds that now have got to force their way onto zoom or teams yeah 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 it's it's almost it's it's sped up those because there are still I'm not saying all 30 year olds and under are absolute technical wizards but yeah. there are some that aren't and it's kind of brought everyone forward 10 years in terms of technology and it's and set the new baseline almost for yeah so that, of you yeah you so I mean, my mum prime example my mum's an absolute technophobe she's 52 um, she's a teacher and I've had to help her with teams when it first came about when teams was a thing um, and now I go in and she's hosting teams sessions by herself and um, using zoom it's just it's just a new norm um, yeah like if I, I mean I've got a meeting next week and the first question I asked was okay do you want to do it on teams or is it face to face that would never have been asked t two years ago it just wouldn't have been a thing um, and now everyone's changing the backgrounds on Zoom. <laughs> yeah exactly it's, uh, or on the phone if the computer's not working or it's just it's just completely opened up all technological aspects and it's advanced obviously I'm, I'm looking at this from purely marketing I'm not paying attention to the, the human side of it obviously people died and it's very sad etc but purely marketing it's completely opened up it's, again especially in the financial services which is historically behind when it comes to technological advances it's just completely opened it up do you want to um obviously talking about um financial services and and the products that have been offered do you want to go into sort of how we've helped people with the different products f through through the government and how we've helped other companies no <laughs> <laughs> So in this section of the episode, what we're going to do is something that we're called retweet or delete. Um, it's basically a case study. Each one of us uh, will take it in turns to bring one every week. This time it's Angus. Uh, and we'll look at a marketing campaign um, or something that business has done marketing related. Talk about it a little bit and decide whether we'd like to retweet it or delete it. Deleting it obviously being bad, retweeting it being good. Um, I'll pass it over to you, Angus, to introduce this week's... Uh, Case study. Okay, so um, this was a tweet uh, which was on International Women's Day, uh, which is March the 8th, 2021. And uh, the tweet came from a, uh, let's say, a restaurant place. <laughs> we can't really name it, so 
Um, <laughs> and they tweeted out in the morning um, saying women belong in the kitchen. And then roughly around about an hour later, they said if they want to, of course, only 20% of chefs are women and we're on a mission to change this. So obviously this tweet uh, caused a lot of controversy. 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 <laughs> controversy um, because they didn't follow it up. Um, so having tweeted once and then not tweeting again for a period of time yeah, it doesn't doesn't look good. Sure. I think so. Um, so into basically into our our opinions. I think at the time I thought it was uh, I thought it was quite good because it got them a lot of retweets, likes, interaction. But then thinking about it, it's a very touchy topic, isn't it? And it goes back a long while. And that yeah. So. Let's go back to the actual event of the day. So it's it's International Women's Day. Obviously, uh, it's a huge day, right? So um, we've got businesses across the board putting out uh, empowering messages. We put out an empowering message. I can't quite remember off the top of my head what we put out. Um, it's obviously a, a massive subject, but it, on the on the flip side of that, it's also quite a. I don't want to say touchy. It's it's very sensitive, and it can be. If you try and get clever with it, it can kind of bite right you yeah. um, So this huge fast food chain um, put out this tweet and it said, what did it say, sorry? Women belong in the kitchen. Women belong in the kitchen. So instantly you're looking at disruptive marketing. Okay, If you put something on any day of the week, let alone Women's Day, if you put that up on your social Twitter account, which has got in excess of uh, it's millions. millions of followers, so if you put that, you'll know straight away you're going to get a backlash. Now, they obviously thought, in my opinion, they thought that the backlash, uh, the return they're going to get on this is going to outweigh the backlash. There is no way that I believe that they went to this campaign naive enough to think no one's going to complain about this. To then leave it, what was it, an hour, two hours? Yeah, about an hour. To follow it up with if they, they don't have to. If they want to. Maybe. If they want to in a weird way of empowering women because they I think the idea of it is they were launching a scheme that helped female chefs yes, yeah. in their business right okay which is again great idea great idea but I think very poorly executed very poorly executed um, again having a so there's this thing where if you're such a big company and such a big following you can tweet anything and it'll get a reaction that's why it's so easy for these massive companies 100%. To do these, oh, this is an amazing tweet. Well, they've already got the following, so it's easy. So to have that following and then think, oh, we need to do something disruptive. It's just, a, in my eyes, it's just a weird way of looking at it. You don't need to be disruptive in that way. You can be disruptive by doing something on the flip side of that. Um, there are numerous businesses out there that do that. Um, I mean, we can, we can name the ones that we speak good of. Um, so things like uh, McDonald's put out a, a tweet uh, empowering female chefs um, and it, it went down well it went down perfectly because there there's no need for them to build and disrupt their following they don't need to they've got that following yeah so I mean did, did they issue an apology that yeah they did was the it straight after. was it same day or no it was the day after well yeah. that's so they left brilliant 
Did they did the tweet stay up? No, I'm pretty sure they got taken down, didn't they? In the uh, right mind, might have surely. Done, but it might have been the day after again, I think. I mean, what what does move things like this is how many rounds of sign off would that have gone through? That's what I was gonna say. Like, I think did it get to the point where they think the sheer reputation of the business and they get that they get that like back and forth banter with yeah, between yeah. all the brands and that's it's been something that's been followed for quite a while with likes of like lad Babel like yeah resharing the posts and it gets good traction because it is genuinely funny at times obviously this very very good example of how it can turn sour quickly but do they just think that because they've got oh they've got that reputation of being good with bands that they thought that it'd carry him over with the topic like this on a, that day specifically as well like it, it's sheer ignorance and naivety at that point I think surely yeah that, I think it brings me back to that original point of there is no way they could have gone into this thinking this is going to go down well I can't put myself into that mindset and if they'd have done it so what they should have done let's let's think of it this way thinking of how they should have done it on Twitter I think and I think that's the point that you made is that is that tweeting one thing and then putting a thread yeah no one reads the thread yeah you don't click on a tweet to read the thread yeah you see so just if, a tweet. if they put it all in the same tweet yeah so if they said women belong in the kitchen dot 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 no, they but they don't have to blah blah that I mean it's still touchy touchy ground but that could have worked a little bit better rather than they just well I think any way that they can the message can be manipulated in a way that it already has been where they, they'll only show the one tweet and that's a stain on that brand forever whereas if they do it in a way it's still not exactly the right way to right angle to go at it but if it was a video where someone spoke it out loud yeah there's no way the, that can be yeah, manipulated yeah, yeah, anyway. taking out context yeah, and, yeah so that, that's a fair point there are ways where you you can get around the issue if you wanted to go down that route mm -hmm. but it's the same way someone if I don't know, someone held up a white piece of paper. Anyone could go on that, Photoshop it, and that, that there could be a message yeah, for whatever yeah. people want it to look like, and it yeah. can be wrongly misconstrued as well. So it's just I th I th the medium. Yeah, I th it's I back think down to the medium. The it's way. the platform. The platform is the issue, and the execution of the message. I think what they've done now is, well, it's, it's brand damage, and now they've got to manage that. And it's going to take a people, the generation of today, people don't forget. Anyone that kind of says, oh, do you remember that company's marketing campaign? They're instantly going to go to this. Well, not, the chances are that people will have it saved on the phone. Who often, yeah. How often do people delete photos? It's yeah, well, they say, as soon as, it, as soon as it's on the internet, it's out there. Yeah. It's done. It's done, yeah. Um, and again, naivety. They know that. They have a, a marketing team of God knows how many. And they'll have a social media marketing team, marketing team bigger than our whole marketing team. And again, it's th I, just don't, I can't get into that mindset where I think, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I don't know how the marketing manager has signed that off. The big yeah. dog. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, the, it's the constantly trying to one-up each other yeah. to the point where the bricks fall and it... It's too far. Yeah, it's too far. too far. It's too far. And it'd be interesting to see what they do next Women's Day and what backlash any... So the followers are obviously... I mean, I would be going to their account on that day be interested to see what people are tweeting them to say like oh aren't you doing this this year well the journalists will scrape it all right back up so it's it's very much how can we rectify what we've done in a bigger and better way like well in a better way but yeah so i mean i think it's abundantly clear 
the answer of retweet or delete for this one. It's a firm delete. (laughs) (laughs) Which is ironically what they should have done and not done anything else. Definitely not have retweeted it. Uh, Definite delete. Yeah, 100%. In the the final part of the episode, uh, what we're going to do is talk about something that annoys us, a pet peeve, uh, and we're going to put it into the marketing room 101. Um, this week it's Ryan's turn, so I'll let him introduce his pet peeve. There are many. There are many indeed, yeah. Everything annoys Ryan. <laughs> so the, ma- the overwhelming answer, probably just the fact, shit briefs. The fact that <laughs> changing constantly or just too brief to begin with and how it is basically, well, from a graphic designer's point of view, my worst nightmare. And I imagine if you're content writing, literally any angle you look at it, if you've not got a good plan to start with, it's disaster from the get-go. I think this is an issue across marketing, and I think it always has been, I think it always will be, because briefs are given by people that don't really understand the work involved in the marketing campaign. Yeah. They think that it's just a case of writing something. It's a social media post, isn't it, <laughs> yeah. Matt? It's just a social media post. According to my brother, that's all I do is sell on Facebook yeah. and Instagram all day. Um, marketing briefs, yeah, I think people think they're subjective and they're not that they should be so let's look at what we've got in place at our, pl- at our workplace we've got job form which yep. i'd like to think is quite streamlined quite structured 10 questions tell us what you want tell us how you want it tell us you want it in this place and you want it for this this time it still goes wrong. yeah exactly it still goes wrong because people change the ideas of what they want and i think that comes from either, from either being a flash in the pan idea so, oh, let's do this. It's a great idea. Let's let me message marketing, and then think about it for a couple of days. And think actually, I want to do something else. So I think it comes from the person who's putting the brief in needs to take the time to work out almost like a pre-brief. Think, okay, what do I want to do? How do I want to do it? Let's send that into marketing because, like you say, from a marketing perspective, whether it's graphic design, content writing, whatever, if we're trying to if we spend two days creating something, then all of a sudden that content or graphics change. It's two days wasted. Yeah. Then that's wrongly how I normally think of it. I always think of the hours wasted rather yeah, than the, yeah. the hours spent doing it to get effectively well, what everyone wants then. But we, we work in a creative role. So we have to, there's no qualms in saying that we have to kind of, we have down periods where we have like writer's block or design block. Mm-hmm. So we get into the swing of things for two days. Then all of a sudden the brief changes, that kind of resets that and you've got to then G yourself up again to kind of yeah. get, all right, uh, let's do it this way. And it kind of, it does have a knock on so effect. Can you, can you describe to me the pure pain that you go through when you finish the design? Well, it's always that typical, you, you, you see it, it on, <laughs> you see it on every days and then they go, no, I want a different color. You see it, that typical meme every time where, it's the same with anything really, you think of uni or anything, you've got 80% of your time where you're just like, stuck you can't think of it and then your last 20 percent where you're stressing thinking oh my god i'm not going yeah, in time i yeah. need to get it get it done quick but going back to the original point of being shit briefs i think it's because people that aren't working in marketing think it's got to be reactive it's got to be on trend so they'll see one post and think yeah i want it like that and then in a day or two they'll see a different post and think yeah. oh my god that's the best thing ever i need it like that right yeah, now yeah. yeah and then the following day they'll see a different post i mean yeah, fingers it's... crossed they don't see the tweet that we're on about yeah it's yeah so it is reactive and i think a lot of people because they don't understand marketing they think 
they don't realize the strategy that goes into whether it, whether it be a social media post which is a social media gets a rough run it's a lot bigger than people think um yeah i mean okay social media wasn't even a thing what was it 2004 facebook so a lot of the people that are putting these requests in of the older generation weren't even around when social media was first born mm-hmm. so they just think oh create this for facebook create this for twitter linkedin whatever and the same kind of goes for graphic design so graphic design pre kind of 2000 and whenever was just a case of put this design here put this design here whereas now it's a lot more uh what's the word i'm looking for it's a lot more diverse i guess is the word I'm yeah. it's a lot more diverse there's a lot more you can do and because there's a lot more that you can do there's a lot more you can learn so we're spending all our time learning this new topic uh, new programs and things like that creating these things that have never been seen before and because we're creating things that have never been seen before we're kind of carrying out these briefs that are kind of ed- sketchy to begin with and doing it how we interpret it to look good whereas they've seen something else and they don't really know about this these new well that's a good point because before in the old time that in the old times before my time just for the record just for the record ryan is 25. <laughs> i was five before today yeah but there was no online graphic generator where you can you can literally go onto a website make your own graphic yeah put it on social media before it was very much i imagine i don't know <laughs> uh, strictly photoshop yeah where yeah own, you'd, you'd pay a lot of money for it not many people would have it mm-hmm. nor be willing or wanting to use it because they'd have no reason to do it because social media wasn't yeah. as relevant as it was then so when you've got the likes of I don't know can we say Canva I'm yeah. going yeah, yeah, yeah. to say Canva yeah. when they Canva you can literally pull a template from somewhere add whatever text you want you've made yourself a logo you've made yourself a social media post and if they think they can do it yeah the brief shouldn't matter that much and that's yeah. not the point it's it's how you direct that brief to your target demographic and how it can resonate to them same so, thing like during covid if god forbid if someone just made what they thought was right during the pandemic put it in a pretty post sent it out all hell could have broke loose because I, th- I think it all boils down to and i'm not making a sound like oracles here but if you think of Let's say you work in a business of 100 people. You have 30 salesmen. 30 salesmen come to you with briefs. Those salesmen are only looking at it from their perspective. It's marketing's job to look at it from a, a company-wider perspective. And keeping so we're, consistency. Yeah, exactly. So we're seeing different things come in saying, oh, it's not quite right to say that. We can't do it like that. We need to do it this way because this is on brand, this isn't. Whereas the, the sales guys are putting these briefs in. They're just seeing it from their perspective. They're saying, well, I want this. Do it like that. And they don't they don't look at the bigger picture and that's why i think that's one of the reasons why i should say that we get the briefs do that we, that we do um and again it's, it's marketing in general it's always been the case it's i mean i'm talking like i'm 60 years old <laughs> for the record i'm 30. um <laughs> even back i think i i first started working in a marketing role in 2013 when you were about two <laughs> <laughs> um and even then so 2013, I started my first job in marketing as a marketing exec, and we didn't have an in-house graphic designer. She's in design because it's, yeah. it's your pet peeve. We didn't have an in-house graphic designer. We um, externally sourced it, sourced it externally to a design agency, and it cost every time we put it out. But now, as graphic design's kind of 
come through and kind of become a, a formidable force, companies have now got in-house graphic designers. So all of a sudden that routine of, oh, we've got to send a brief through to an agency, we've got to send this, it's going to cost us every time. Can't send changes back, it's going to cost us, you get three rounds and then that's it. Whereas now we've got graphic designers in-house, so it's easier for us to send send a brief through, send a quick brief through, see what, see what they do. When it comes back, I can change it if I want to, because it's easy, because they're downstairs, they're in a different room. It's not spending 50 quid a time where it's got to go to an external agency. And I think it's a good thing and a bad thing that the, it's become that easy with the likes of Canva and yeah. Wix, should I? Yeah. Um, with, and I th- that kind of goes against, so things are like, like, like I said, like Canva, like Wix, like uh, Squarespace, with all these tools, it's become easy for people that aren't in marketing to make marketing materials. Yeah. And because they can, they've seen these, they think it's easy. It must be easy for us because it's all we do. When in reality, those tools are great for people that don't work in big environments. But when you're working in an actual establishment, you have to have strategy. You have to have... Establishment. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it is. But you, you get what I'm trying to say. Like, it's... The bigger businesses, well, not even the bigger business actually, just people who want to understand marketing and actually make something of their sales need to know that behind these briefs, it's not just a whim where we say, oh yeah, that done, just do that. There's a strategy that goes behind every time. It's a why, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, the why. So, why, isn't it? When they're putting briefs through that are very, ironically, brief. Yeah. And then we're making what we can of it and then they're changing it. Well, there's, there's that thing as well of, some people's perception is the best piece of marketing material has to have every single point that they say on it, mm. like an A to Z of all the products or an A to Z of everything they've done for a customer. Mm. And when, especially in today's sort of trends where everything is very stripped back, very minimal, we have to take those best points, try and translate them in a way that the customer is going to care about, especially in the finance service industry because yeah. Yeah. It's boring, let's yep. be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so because we've kind of got that regurgitated in a way that makes sense to the customer and strip back anything they don't need, people will, who've t- done the briefs in the first place will see that and not be happy because yeah. everything's not chucked through it. I think that's quite a good idea for a, another episode to talk about kind of how perceptions of marketing has changed in terms of like content and mm-hmm. design and how it's really strict back it means I can introduce Vic Teague which I'm there we go that's yeah about. Uh, oh, fresh fish fresh fish fish that is Vic Teague oh. it's, <laughs> it's not been explained very well then yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly I need to <laughs> learn that again please <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I think definitely maybe in the next episode just talk about how content's been stripped back and how perceptions of marketing has changed because yeah. I think that'd be quite a good one to get into but yeah I think Marketing briefs are they're a pet peeve of mine as well. Um, it's very refreshing when you get a full marketing brief in that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Does that actually happen or not? A handful of times, I think. No. To be honest, I think we're naive to think we'd never get we'll get a, to get a marketing brief in without it changing. I don't think would ever happen. And that's why agencies have three, two, three rounds of changes. They expect that change because marketing is subjective. We're going to design, create something that we think looks good, but the person designing it doesn't that's not what they're after which we expect i think that's why you need to have a sit down meeting as well yeah yeah which is why when now we've got in our briefs the option to have a meeting i think once you've got that right understanding but then to 
we need to expect those changes as marketers mm-hmm. we expect those changes and that's fine but then when the changes come back on top of those changes it's that's when that's when it breaks down because those changes that have been suggested will end up turning it into something that's completely different to what it started to and i think that's that's the biggest well, waste of time yeah 100 percent. it's finding that right line into it between if you have a meeting about a brief to get to the point where you've got meetings all lined up because you've got a meeting about every single social post you're going to do is that yeah. how can you be efficient but have the meetings for the right things yeah exactly yeah so having meetings over nothing or meetings on top of meetings which is a historical business thing um i angus will resonate with this i don't like wasting time so i don't like being sat there for a meeting say when it's a two-hour meeting to discuss a social post yeah it, it, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work we've, we've got um that can be rather than just doing a, one meeting on a social post we can do it over a whole social strategy yeah figuring figuring out what we do for one post uh it's kind of playing the bigger picture yeah so i think we'll leave it there yeah sounds um, good next week we are talking about how as we mentioned how perceptions have changed in marketing and how content uh is no longer i was gonna say content is no longer king content is definitely king um just how content has changed um and how people's perception of content has changed and marketing in general uh ryan you're gonna bring in a retweet or delete i'll find one somewhere yeah there are ones on a daily basis yep um i've got an archive of them so it's fine uh yeah so tune in next week for next week are we doing it next week i don't know maybe not just yeah i've I've made a firm decision we'll do that okay ryan's made the executive decision (laughs) of this podcast um to do it on a weekly basis we'll see see how long that lasts shall we um yeah so can we say should we say followers on twitter i don't feel that's a thing was it control underscore Angus made the Twitter account. I don't it's know. It's pretty shocking, to be honest. But you're gonna have to say it out loud because we don't know otherwise. It's control <laughs> underscore alt underscore rt. That's, okay, that's yeah, that RT makes sense. For retweet. Yeah, so that, that works. Yeah. So yeah, follow us on there. Um, Angus is doing the social media, so it's gonna be an absolute shit show. Really. <laughs> it's not like it's my job or anything, but yeah, that's that's coming from the digital marketing executive of this company, so that's that's good to know. Um, yeah, so tune in next week and we'll talk about a few more things that upset us on marketing, but also some of the good things as well. Because I don't want it to turn into a marketing moaning show. You know, that's Ryan's favourite thing to do. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. All right, cool. Cool. Thank you.